You're listening to The Itch, Rock Matters. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And we're excited because we were able to do an interview. Our first interview for the Rock Matters podcast, in fact. Yeah, and honestly, uh, it's our first interview ever, like even with doing the radio show for 16 years. You know, we've met artists, we've we've gotten liners from them, but we never had the chance to actually sit and interview anybody. So this was a real treat for us. Absolutely. And it turned out fantastic, as we hope that you'll agree after you uh, listen to it. Yeah, so we got the chance to interview Sean Doddell, the drummer from the band Grey Days, the Chester Bennington tribute band is what I'd like to call it. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not necessarily a tribute band, so to speak, but it is a, a band that is made in tribute to honor his uh, his legacy. Yeah, their album Amends came out earlier this year. And we spoke about it on episode 12, and it was a fantastic album. And so we were very excited when we were afforded the opportunity to actually speak with Sean about that album, the making of it, um, the heart that went into it, and what the future may hold for that band. So Great Days is the band that Chester Bennington was in before Linkin Park, before he broke it big. And and Sean covers all the, all the times where they did try to rehash this project, and you know it just didn't work out. And you know, obviously he passed Chester Bennington passed away in 2017 uh, and Sean felt that this was the best time to try to finish this project and, and make sure that everybody got to hear just another side of Chester and another part of his legacy and, and just the awesomeness that was Chester Bennington. Sean and Chester and the rest of the band were scheduled to begin recording music for Grey Days about a week, I believe, after Chester passed. And so Sean felt compelled to continue that project uh, kind of in a different form, obviously, uh, in order to honor his friend. And so we as rock fans and listeners are the beneficiaries of that labor of love. So without further ado, here is our interview with Sean Dowdell of Grey Days. How you guys doing? Good. How about yourself? Doing well, thank you. We really appreciate you uh, taking that time out, especially on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, this is probably a rare relaxation time for a for a busy entrepreneur. It's uh, it's the only time I could squeeze it in, so I apologize, guys. <laughs> uh, no apologies. Yeah, we really do appreciate it. My pleasure. Casey, you want to go ahead and, get, and start? Yeah, we are known as the Itch, and we have done a college radio show for 16 years. We started it in college, and we kept going. Wow! And because of COVID, we haven't done the show since March 8th. And we don't know when we can continue doing it. So we decided to do a podcast and we wanted to do an episode of the Grey Days album to coincide with uh, the passing of Chester. And when we released the episode, a lot of our listeners, they really liked the way we, we talked about being a friend and just being there for somebody and the importance of just listening to someone because, you know, listening can make all the difference with what somebody's going through. And we just wanted to kind of speak to that to start off with a little bit. Cool. Yeah. So like me and Casey, we've been friends since high school and we, that was one of the reasons why we started the, the radio show. We kind of rekindled uh, our friendship in college and, and uh, 
it's just been a whole lot of fun to continue continue doing this for and with our love for of music. But kind of speaking to that, I know that you were you and Chester were friends for quite some time. Are there any favorite stories from the first kind of experience with Chester that that you would like to share? Uh, yeah, I've got hundreds. Uh, what, do you, <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Uh, we could talk about uh, it's interesting. So Chester dropped out of high school his sophomore year. And, uh, you know, he was having some personal turmoil at his house and not getting along with his father and his mother moved to the far side of town. And uh, so Chester just kind of moved in with me for, for about a year, a year and a half. Uh, would have been around his junior year. And then at that point, I was in college at ASU. And uh, he would come to school with me. So we would wake up and he wasn't enrolled. I mean, this is kind of, you know, this is pre the days where you would get caught doing something like this, where you, you know, nowadays you have to check in before you go into class and all this other stuff. But um, we would just go into these classes and he would sit and he would actually even take the test, which was kind of funny. And uh, that, that's, that was just a, a fun moment. I remember him, him and I just, you know, being around each other all the time, we were always writing and playing music together, but he and I, we wrote a lot of lyrics together. We'd be just driving and we'd be bouncing ideas back and forth and talking about which bands we were, you know, really vibing with. And I'd go out and get the new uh, Alice in Chains album or, or uh, you know, we would just talk about the influences and, and the lyrics and, the, and the, the nature of melodies. And, and he really began to hone his vocal abilities by studying what his favorite singers were doing back then. And Perry Farrell was one of those and Lane Staley and of course, Kurt Cobain and, and, and uh, Eddie, um, Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. And, you know, eventually um, Ed from live and, you know, Gavin from Bush and um, uh, let's see, Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins uh, even down to bands like the Chili Peppers, we listen to all the time. That that Blood Sugar Sex Magic album was in our CD player all the time. <laughs> and even though he doesn't sing anything like Anthony Kiedis, they were a major influence on the way we structured songs and hmm. became more groove-oriented. And Chester was very open-minded to all kinds of different music. He wasn't stuck in one genre uh, he really helped me kind of get out of that a little bit and be a little bit more open to other possibilities and kind of expand the way I thought about music and the approach to writing. But why does it have to be four bars and chorus? Why can't it be six bars and then a chorus? Why do we need a chorus? You know, our original version of Just Like Heroin uh, was initially called A Little Down. It was uh, most of the lyrics I wrote and he got a hold of them and made it the magic of what it became when he put his melody to those words. And, uh, you know, the original version of that song didn't even have a chorus. It was just him kind of wailing. And, and, uh, you know, we, when we reworked the record, we re reworked it in a way that the, the kind we kind of created a chorus out of that, but the original version just had like, we went right into this bridge and I think he broke down a lot of barriers just by taking on all these different influences. And of course his vocal range was second to nobody. Um, but I guess I'm kind of getting off topic here. So um, <laughs> no, no, we love it. That's perfect. That perfectly explains the interest in uh, hopping on board with stone temple pilots. What you just said about all those in particular influences. Oh yeah. So then I left that, I left that now. Uh, <laughs> so that after, um, 
that initial Jane's Addiction album, that was Chester's favorite album when I met him. But uh, as time progressed and Stone Temple kind of came onto the scene, I want to say around 93, 94, I could be off on that, but he really vibed with that band. And we would throw these studio parties. So we would rehearse four or five nights a week and, and, and like that for five years straight. You know, we just, we were always at the studio, but the studio was big enough. Like we had these really cool arcade games in there and this monster PA systems. Like I swear this PA system was probably 8,000 Watts. <laughs> it was enormous. And we would, we would have hundreds of kids come down and we would all be hanging out through these big parties on the weekends. And then we would set up like the biggest karaoke machine you've ever seen in your life before karaoke machines existed. Right. We would just, we would jam Metallica through, we would set up like four microphones and just fucking blast beyond uh, what normal volumes would be and let people get up there and sing along with their favorite bands. And that was just a lot of fun. I just remember having a lot of these parties and good times with him. And he didn't really, at that point in his life, let's talk from age 15 to age 19 before he got married to Samantha, his first wife. Um, you know, he didn't really have that, that family unit because his wife had went, uh, his mom had went on to remarry a, a really nice guy named Alan. But like I said, it was on the far side of town. So for in order for Chester to, uh, and he had moved out of his father Lee's house and, and, and he got along with his parents. He just did, didn't, his interest in music and partying and everything kind of pulled him away from being able to stabilize in a normal family environment, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then during that time, you know, Chester had a lot of girlfriends. Um, he, he was one of those guys that could just fall in love literally very quickly with, you know, um, the, the girls that were around. He just wanted to be loved, really. Um, and that, that's really innate in Chester's nature. Um, if we, if we, we go down that rabbit hole, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> um, yeah. He really felt, I think, uh, kind of lonely. And so I took on that big brother role very easily with him. So when, when he moved in, and even when, even when he moved out, he moved into his, his girlfriend, Elka, at the time. He moved into her house uh, after he lived with me. He uh, he still had that that just that kind of lonely thing. So we hung out all the time. Um, you know, after I dropped out of, out of college in '95 and opened up uh, Club Tattoo with Mace, uh, we were pretty much you know at that point we were around each other every day. You know, and we were putting together at that point once Mace joined the band. We started doing the satellite tours out to LA and San Diego and, and Colorado and stuff like that. So well, that actually leads me to my next point. I, I know that you have uh, several titles, rock star, piercer, entrepreneur, <laughs> out of all those, which one would you say is your favorite? Uh, father. Uh, would be Ooh, my favorite. Good answer. Uh, husband would probably be my second. Uh, the other stuff are just passions that I have and, and things that, that, um, make me happy. Uh, my wife and I are entrepreneurs and we run many businesses and that's a passion I think I've had even when I look back to my young, young years, you know, I was 14, 15 years old. I was doing things in the business um, mindset. And once, once I got into the music arena, I really took on kind of the business manager role of the band for all the bands I was in, by the way, it just kind of comes natural. And I, I really enjoy that side of it. And I like, I enjoy creating things and, and and figuring out ways to monetize things and not, not in a way that I chase the money side of it. Just find a way to make it sustainable, I guess, is the, is the easiest way to, to come back to that point. Um, P 
piercer. I don't really pierce anymore. Um, you know, I, our business has gotten so big. Uh, we've got over a hundred employees at this point and six studios and we're planning on opening more. Uh, I just don't have the time for it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Basically from 99 or 2000 to 2012, I was at the top of my game in the piercing world and I innovated a lot of things and invented a lot of things for the industry and kind of really made a huge mark globally in the piercing world. But since that time, since we opened our Vegas store, I just got spread a little too thin and kind of pulled back on the piercing side. And I, I you know, I, I did some, some instructional videos and, and, and I taught around the world uh, during you know, the mid two thousands and, and invented microdermal anchors and, and tools and all kinds of things. So I made major contributions in the arena of piercing, but I, not so much anymore. I kind of, the young guns that are working for me now, I kind of help prop them up and, and, uh, you know, I've got a young, young guy named Nick who works for me that, you know, he's trying to invent tools and do all this cool stuff. And I really encourage that and want to help them grow because that's their passion. Now my passion's kind of moved into other things and, and, music kind of being reborn into one of those passions. Again, I've always been into music and Chester and I have played little side projects throughout, you know, up until the time we reformed great days, we are doing, you know, several little things, but um, to go in it full 100% didn't happen until we decided to get the band back together. And then that takes a lot of time in order to do it correctly, in order to be at the top of your game and, and be able to, to go in and re- not just record, an album, but to record a, an album at the level of what Chester's fans are used to hearing, uh, he's set a certain standard of what people will accept from him. And it was hard to not make sure that we rose to that challenge to meet that standard. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. We saw the, uh, the post that you had on Twitter with your new drum setup uh, <laughs> the other day. Uh, yes. Speaking of that passion and that's <laughs> that music. You know, so crazy is, uh, so yeah, so we're in the studio and I can't really talk about what we're doing, but we're, we're, we're doing some other cool stuff that you guys will be stoked about. But, uh, you know, I just made a, we've been in the studio for three days. Um, I made a post and somebody on Twitter, like, I don't know where somebody on Twitter is like, oh, you're trying to steal thunder from Lincoln Park. I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, the theory. I'm like, Jesus Christ. No, I'm not. I'm actually very proud of those guys. I have. You know, a hybrid theory album hanging right on my wall right there. Nice. Um, nice. <laughs> very proud of Chester for what he did on that record. I was very proud of those guys. I don't try to take away anything from them. That's so stupid. It's not an us versus them thing. Those guys did some great music for a long period of time with somebody that we loved as a brother, a friend, and a band member. It's not a, it doesn't have to be a us against them. It's so just a, such a stupid way of thinking. Right. No, I, I, it's hard. I can't even defend that stuff. I'm like, what right. where's this even coming from? But no, so just to set the record straight, I'm very proud of those guys. That's an yeah. amazing record. I was very proud of him. And Chester and I, when this record first came out, Chester and I weren't even on speaking terms. And I was still proud of him, still telling my wife and people around me at the time. Um, and I was in a whole nother band with a whole nother record deal. And I said, this is a great record. He did such a great job. So that was a genuine response from day one when I heard it. And I was what was called an influencer back then where the record labels would send me big boxes of CDs every month. And they'd say, tell us what you think. And I came across his and it was, it was actually a demo uh, called hybrid theory. I think the band was named Lincoln Park at the time. 
and had five or six songs on it. And I saw his name as the singer. I was like, Oh, let's check this out. And I wrote them back. I said, this is a phenomenal, this is a phenomenal band. This is going to do great things. I still remember that to this day. So no, very proud of those guys. And I think it's great that they reissued it. I think they're obviously their fans are responding to it as they should. And uh, it's great that Mike decided to uh, release some of those unreleased songs. I, I love that because to me, um, I'm a fan of my friend, you know, I'm a fan of Chester. So I get to hear these things and I'm, I'm stoked for that. So as I would hope they would be stoked that we're doing what we're doing. I mean, you know, <laughs> we share, we share blood with an amazing man and, and it doesn't have to be, it's like, you know, I, I like this brother and I have to hate that brother because I like this brother. That's just, <laughs> Anyways, it kind of feels like this year itself is almost a, like a full on like Chester celebration kind of thing we've got going because we got gray days. You got amends being released. We've got the 20th anniversary of hybrid theory. We talked also in, in our episode about about Mike Shinoda. He's starting to, to put out music and seem happy like he's healing and like because he released uh, post-traumatic. Um, after Chester's death was just kind of like the mourning process. And now he seems that he's like in this more peaceful place. And so it's just, and even pieces fitting together, like today is world mental health day. And we're speaking to you right now. I just see like all these things kind of coalescing and it, it, yeah, I don't understand why anybody would certainly pit people against each other. It seems like one giant, you know, beautiful picture combining. That's the way it should be. And and I don't know Mike in a way where I can speak to that. Um, but you know, I wish him well and, and I hope he is happy and, and in my own personal opinion is I hope those guys do continue with their band. I think they're a good band and I don't think it's fair for anyone. This may not be a popular opinion, but I don't think it's fair for anyone to say, well, since Chester made the choice to leave the earth, that these guys have to not be able to do what they do. I don't think that that's a fair um, position and I don't think it's very realistic. Uh, so I hope, I hope they do continue in some form or fashion. I don't know what that is. That's for them to decide. Right. But, uh, you know, good for Mike. The, the fact that they're putting that stuff out, good for him. Well, and there's been other bands that have succeeded in in the wake of tragedy as well. You know, obviously it's taken some time, but like one of our favorite examples is Alice in Chains. Uh, you know, they're I absolutely love their new stuff. I mean, obviously it's different from their their previous stuff, but I, I you know, it's still just as good. So I think that, yeah, you're right. There's definitely ways where both can succeed. And uh, and and as as music lovers, we absolutely love when that kind of stuff happens because then we get to still continue to enjoy bands like Alice in Chains or, like you said, we get to enjoy Linkin Park and Grey Days, not just one or the other. So I can tell you a little story about that real quick, too. So um, Alice in Chains and Chester and I, that was, we were so connected through that band. Mm -hmm. And when Chester first went out on tour with Dead by Sunrise, I went out with them and uh, Allison Chains, he was opening for Allison Chains. And uh, we would go out in the crowd after Chess would get off stage and stand there and scream every single word together as they were playing. And we talked about it. He's like, he never tried to compare the new singer with Lane. He just loved Allison Chains music. He didn't, he, he was like, oh, this guy's a fraud or anything. He didn't think like that. So I don't think he would be. Um, you know, too upset if, if, if something similar happened uh, and maybe I'm speaking out of bounds, but um, that's what those guys have decided in any case. But I just remember Chester and I standing in front of the Allison chain stage while he was the opening act too, which was kind of funny. This would have been 2009 or 10 ish, I believe. And uh, 
screaming every single word to Alice in Chains as they played with their new singer. And we thought it was great. Nice. And how do you think that that concept applies to Grey Days? Because, you, you know, you're, you're, you're working right now, it seems, kind of through the vault of the old recordings with Chester's vocals and whatnot. I know you've talked before about having plans for at least one more Grey Days album with that, maybe even more. Like, where do you see the future of that particular band going? I don't know. Um, I, I think for me, I don't need the music career. So if we finished, even if we just finished amends and moved on with our lives, that would be okay with me because I'm very happy, content, and successful in so many other areas of my life that I don't need to chase this. However, um, we have so many songs left that I'd like to see them see the light of day. And there's some misinformation out there. A lot of people don't realize that when Linkin Park took off, Warner Brothers absolutely squashed and killed anything out there that was great ace. They absolutely mm. did. That we had a distribution deal with Orchard, a company named Orchard that was distribution. We were selling thousands and thousands of records as great ace. We weren't some crappy little local band. And Warner Brothers talked Chester into, hey, this isn't a good idea. And, and Chester got very upset at it later in life, realizing he had been manipulated, which was one of the whole another conversation of one of the reasons he wanted. And, it, and I don't think it was the Lincoln Park guys, but it was definitely the Warner Brothers record label that stepped on the necks of Great Ace, pulled our distribution deal, pulled all of our songs off of iTunes, pulled everything out of anywhere and just stunted anything that that band had done up to that point, just basically erased it. And uh, I remember being very pissed off at the time it was going on, but Chester and I went Naturally. talking. And then when we, re, when we reunited as friends, it wasn't that important to me. I, I had all these other successes going on, and, and I, it wasn't a fight I felt like I wanted to have with my friend that we just reunited. And then over the years, we'd have conversations, and some things came to light, and I think he was really not happy with the way he was manipulated into doing that. And, uh, you know, there's there's these uh, some, some people out there that are like, oh, no, you know, that didn't happen. It absolutely happened. I still have the cease and desist letters from the attorneys, everything. So, um, and I still have conversations and emails from Chester going, well, if we do this great thing, what's Warner brothers going to do? And he's like, don't worry about Warner brothers. I will handle them. We're going to put this <laughs> thing together. We're going to do what we want to do. And I have all that. So, uh, I know I, I can, I can say what I'm saying because it's the truth. So, um, I think a lot of people don't realize like, oh, this project came out of nowhere. Now this is really many years in the making. We tried to put the band back together in 2002 originally. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. And we actually scheduled a, a, a reunion show in Phoenix, Arizona at a venue that I think it sat 4,000 people and we sold 1,800 tickets in a week. And Warner Brothers said, nope, we need Chester back in the studio. And they pulled him. They said, you need to cancel the show. They made him cancel the show after we sold tickets. He was crying on the phone. He was upset. So there was definitely uh, an aversion to letting him do what he wanted to do. And, and I don't think they really supported the side projects for him very well uh, either when he did finally go on to do Dead by Sunrise and Stone Temple Pilots. I think it was kind of a very, yeah, yeah, go, you know, do your thing, but we're going to we're going to bring it back. And I understand that point of view, but it's definitely the way it was. Well, we definitely appreciate you taking the time and your own money at <laughs> getting the amends album out there because it's, they're all songs that definitely need to be heard for fans. Thank you. That, and that's the other thing, you know, when I, when I hear some detractors say, Oh, you know, you're trying to get rich. Like if you guys even knew how much money I spent on this thing, 
<laughs> my wife's going, really? We're going to spend, you know, $5,000? Yeah, we are because this is important to me. And, uh, and the way we did it, you know, it took over two years to complete this project. But why it took so long was because we were so careful in how we approached everything and restructured and, and redid these songs around Chester's vocals. And I truly believe we created something special with the record. I think, uh, I think the record is fantastic. And I think Chester would have been very, very pleased with it. We definitely agree with you. We understand that the songs from Amends were taken from two original Grey Days albums. Was there a process or a reason that the particular songs for Amends were chosen? Yeah, we actually started working on 17 tracks and we whittled it down to the 11 that finally made the album um, mm -hmm. just by uh, what I guess what I would say natural selection. So as we were, you know, as we were looking at songs to include on the record, Tom Wally from the record label, Ryan Wally from the record label, myself, Mace, Kristen, uh, Renee, Mata and Jay Baumgartner sat in a room and we said, OK, these are the songs. What do we think about this one? This one, we listened to all of them couple of them a couple times and we said that one doesn't seem to fit with the mood of this record and we kind of sculpted this mood of what amends was and amends is sad amends is melancholy amends is lonely amends is hopeful and all these kind of things that went together to create that album it just felt very natural as we were whittling some of these other songs out and uh the next album is going to be great. We've already, you know, started writing songs for that. And, and we might even have more after that. So, you know, a lot of people don't realize we did three full length albums with Grey Days, but we only released two of them. Um, so there is more music out there. Do you feel the follow up albums to Amends are going to be just as good? Man, that's a tough question. <laughs> yeah, because I think they're, I'm going to do my absolute best to try. <laughs> but I think that's almost an impossibility because it's either going to be better or worse because nobody, right. I could ask each one of you what your favorite two albums are from a band and they'll, they'll not be, Oh, I like appetite for destruction and Eternal <laughs> illusion. No one will ever say even Lincoln park is a great example. No one will ever say I like Meteora and hybrid theory exactly the same. They'll always put one just a little bit ahead of the other. And I'm not comparing yeah. us to now. I'm just saying as an example, right. um, I think you'll either like it more or you'll like it less, but I hope, <laughs> okay. I hope either way you like it, you know? Um, but there are some great, great songs. I can tell you that, um, that we're already working on and, and uh, you guys are going to be, I think you're going to be happy. We look forward to that. We do. And between, you know, between the heart and soul going into it and the, you know, roster of, friends and and like rock all-stars and whatnot that you can reach out to 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 collaborate with as you guys did on amends i mean i feel like you got some pretty pretty endless possibilities of where you can go and what you can do yeah you know the the music has got to be first um for me it's not about stacking so and so on this song or you know yeah. oh we got you know I don't even know who uh, Madonna on this. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Like the <laughs> names don't matter unless the song is good. So we need to make the song good first. And then if there's somebody that makes sense to bring in, um, you know, there's people that Chester really would have wanted to play with that he didn't get to play with. And I'm going to try to make that happen on some of this stuff. And if I can't, so be it. Uh, you know, at least I tried. Uh, but I also don't want to just stack names just to stack names. So it's got to be the right, right for the right reason and the music has to be good enough 
to, to have those people be included in the first place. Absolutely. All right. So this one is a little more stream of conscious, like first thing that comes to mind, you don't have to elaborate that way. You can, you can be in and out. All right. <laughs> That's uh, it's a, it's a series of music questions. So first one, a song or album that changed your life. Best mode violator. Knew it. We, <laughs> we talked about that <laughs> earlier about uh, the album cover situation. I could probably give you five or six albums, but that's the first, that's the top one. That's, that's a quality choice. Uh, a song you wish you had written. Oh man, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> Alive by Pearl Jam. Ooh, okay. That's, that's, that's nice. one that just had a, just, just an amazing feel to it. A song you are particularly proud that you did write. Man, I got, I got a long list of songs I'm proud of, but uh, <laughs> I, w- I would say More A Sky carries a lot of emotional load for me. Mm. Fair, okay. Uh, dream collaboration. Doesn't have to be Great A's per se, just, you know, you and whoever. Uh, Dave Gahan, Martin Gore from Depeche Mode, Chester, and Great A's. Yeah. Nice. It's probably been a while, given the circumstances we're in, but the last great concert you saw. Ooh, last great concert I saw. I went and saw my buddies from Corn play with Breaking Benjamin. Uh, uh-huh. Jason Rock with Breaking Benjamin and saw them play. Uh, that was, uh, well, yeah, I think those were two separate concerts, actually, now that I think about it. It was Corn <laughs> and Allison Chains was first. And then the next concert was <laughs> Breaking Benjamin. And I took my son to that one. So, yeah, those are the last two concerts I went to. <laughs> All right. If you are someday able in some capacity to, to play live with Grey Days, what's a song that you are most excited about performing live? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, you know, if the, and the big if, if we do something live, it's got to be done in such a tasteful way. Um, yeah. But we got to have some type of presence with Chester on that. And I, and I don't know if that includes digital screens or what, but he has to be up there with us in some capacity, not just on a vocal track. It's got to, it's got to, he has to have some type of presence. So we haven't figured that out yet. Um, what song would I really enjoy playing with? I would probably say, man, all of them, but. Um, <laughs> That's a fair answer. It's a fair answer. <laughs> probably, um, you know, in time, um, I really enjoy singing with Chester mm-hmm. and I'm not a great vocalist, but I always enjoyed singing and there's, there's several songs on the album I sing uh, with him on. So I would probably enjoy that one. That would be extra special, I guess, in, in that circumstance. All right. Final one on that uh, dream tour. So gray days with Chester is smack dab in the middle. Who are you opening for and who's opening for you? That way you can pick, you know, a legendary oh, band and, and an up and comer. <laughs> I'm off like a pompous ass. So having anyone open for us is a, is an odd one, but a, uh, you know, Allison chains, Ooh. Pearl jam, uh, opening up for us in a, a very comedic way. And then, <laughs> then great days, then probably, uh, maybe corn and then, uh, having uh, Depeche mode or the red hot chili peppers. Uh, oh, all right. Yeah, I'm thinking more festival in that question. But this is a festival we would go to. <laughs> yeah, this is absolutely. This is, this is a festival. <laughs> we we would pay good money for that one. So, <laughs> so why, by the way, I'd pay good money to play that show. 
<laughs> All right, we'll see what we can do and get back to you about that. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time, yes. Sean. We really appreciate it. Have a great day, guys. You too. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. So there you have it, our interview with Sean Dowdell. And we want to definitely thank him for his time. He did not have to uh, grace us with that much time on a, a weekend. <laughs> Saturday afternoon, as we mentioned in there, of, of all times for a very busy man. So we are, we are extra appreciative of that opportunity. He's quite the entrepreneur. He owns several businesses and, and he is quite a busy man. So it means a lot to us that he did take time out of his Saturday morning to meet with us and and just uh, take care of this interview. And we, we really do appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. And it was a really insightful conversation as well. I know he's been doing conversations kind of like these for the past number of months uh, in the preparation for and, and, and after the release of Amends. So he never seems to run out of passion for talking about his relationship with his friend Chester Bennington. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, that, you know, we did lots of uh, research for this interview. We wanted to make sure that our interview questions tried, you know, to, were a little bit separate from all the other interviews that he's done. But one of the one of the main themes that I've heard from all the interviews is that he continues to keep the focus on Chester and honoring his legacy and, and just, you know, no matter what kind of questions you ask, and he's going to obviously talk a little bit about himself, but he continues to make that focus or sh all about Chester or share stories about Chester and, you know, his, his experience of being his best friend throughout the majority of his life. Yeah. And then that's one of the main focuses that we could talk about is that friendship. So, and that was just really cool, just hearing the different stories, like at the concert. And uh, it was just it was surreal just to know somebody that was that close to such a, a legend. And and, uh, you know, I have the utmost respect for Sean and obviously Chester for being the legend that he was. But I have the utmost respect for Sean for, you know, just continuing to make it more all about Chester. Like this whole project, you know, he, he continues to focus on him and, and make it revolve around him and, and just the and just continue to honor him. He said it before, he doesn't need the money, you know, so he actually spent a ton of money trying to get this completed to where he wanted it to be. So I, I really respect that. And, and you can tell that he is, he's just a very down to earth guy. And you can tell throughout all the interviews that I've heard in, in our interview as well, that Chester meant a lot to him. It's really cool whenever you can even just have that many memories of your old friends. I've got I was thinking back just now to my own like high school friends and even you guys who I met at 18, 19 and uh, you know, some of the memories that we have and for him to just seem to constantly have at front of mind, just so many different experiences and, and things that remind him of his friend is just it, we, the itch is a big fan of, of friendship and testaments to friendship. And so that's, this is a huge appeal of gray days and this entire concept. And then that we got to speak to him on uh, Mental Health Day was kind of just a nice bonus touch, at least to me anyway, because if you listen back to that original episode on amends, um, we were trying to kind of put that focus on mental health awareness and the kind of things that one can do uh, to to check in on your friends. And I don't know. There's just a lot there. Yeah, definitely. And. I'm hoping that it wasn't evident to Sean that he was our first interviewee. He was a, a great person to practice with because 
he uh, is very good at expanding the topics. And there's a lot of time during that interview that we didn't even ask questions. <laughs> he just he just continued to talk about whatever you know was related to what we kind of brought up, and and it just made it really easy and a lot of fun for me. And I'm sure that you, you guys had the same feeling. Yeah, and we have a lot of great questions that that we didn't even get to touch on in topics. And so you know maybe we'll be fortunate enough to get to speak to him again somewhere down the line um, about some of those things as well. Yeah, I would definitely be, you know, honored to have him back if he's up to it. Yeah, but honestly, that's kind of what we wanted to try to do to begin with is just kind of make him a part of the show like like we would normally be shooting the breeze, talking to each other. Yeah, yeah. I hope that this conversation uh, concept that we're, we're titling this can become a regular thing. Uh, not to spoil anything, but we do have others uh, lined up down the road, and that's a, a direction that we're really excited about taking this show as well. It's kind of surreal, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> the goal is to make it more and more surreal as we go. We're, we're going <laughs> to aim high. Yes. We're aiming high here. Well, and, and, you know, he didn't I didn't get a chance to bring this up. But one of my favorite quotes from Sean uh, in an interview that I saw was, you know, if you chase being great and always work towards making something awesome, then the money will follow. And it's not that I necessarily want to make money off this podcast. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I definitely would love that, but that's not why we do it. And I, I, you know, that's why we have done the radio station or the radio show for so long for 16 years. We don't do it for monetary purposes. We do it for one, because we enjoy putting music out there. And, you know, it's kind of something you touched base on earlier. We do it because we enjoy being around each other and having friends that, that enjoy doing the same things. And it's, I look forward to that. And I, I think I even said this, I don't think I've ever said this on our podcast, but I know I said it on the radio show several times that some of my favorite episodes in our radio show are ones where we haven't done the show for a while. And then we get back in the studio and we just have so much fun together that it's a fun show. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And one of the things that, that Sean sort of hinted at, but didn't get to go into a ton of depth on is this idea of kind of finding balance between like, living out your passions because they're your passions and then also finding ways that they can, you know, put food on your table. Like he yeah. seems to have a strong grasp of like, he's a driven guy who has a lot of goals and he's going to figure out ways to reach those goals, but not at the expense of other priorities as well. You also even heard him mention in there, you know, favorite title right now is being a dad and being a husband. Yeah. And so whenever you've got a list of things going on in your life, that's that long it's kind of important for things like that to stay at the top. And so that's definitely something that we want to, you know, emulate and uh, would certainly agree with in our own lives. Hearing that did kind of take me by surprise because obviously I wasn't listing that as an option. Uh, and, you know, sometimes <laughs> you have so much on your plate that it's, it's hard to remember that you do need to prioritize your family and your, your, uh, well, your just family in general. So whether that's your wife or your, uh, your children. Yeah. I was wondering, I was like, Dan's going to, that's, that's going to get Dan when he says that he's going <laughs> to, and it, and apparently it did. <laughs> yeah, it did. It, <laughs> see, and I can't relate. And so we're just like, oh, that's, that's extra sweet and, yeah. and, and appropriate. <laughs> yeah. It's very relatable to me because, you know, we are, I do have a lot going on and trying to do, you know, make this podcast work. I'm trying to, uh, you know, uh, have a full-time job so that I can put money into the podcast and things like that. But <laughs> That's why one thing I wanted to say is that I really, truly appreciate working with you guys on this because you guys understand that and that, you know, whenever um, my kids are awake, that, that is my priority. I, I am around them 100 percent. I do try to be 
a good dad and a good father. And then once they go to sleep, I can be myself, my, my, you know, be an adult again. <laughs> you can go into your recording, recording studio and yes. go- yeah. goof off for a while. <laughs> a little itch insight is that uh, pretty much all of our episodes are recorded late in the evening because uh, our recording schedule is based on when, after Dan gets his kids down to bed. And so that is, <laughs> that is a nice that's yes. a very nice thing. You're spending those last minutes with them that you can and getting them down so that, so that, like you said, you can be an adult. Yeah. So, and we're totally fine with that because we understand and respect that as well. So, yeah. And then, you know, just not only that, but like the post-production stuff and all the, uh, this, you know, the, the, the hard work that you guys put into this, that's not lost on me, but I, I, it makes, it means a lot because like you said, we get to do this all together, be friends and, and you guys are, are supporting, we're, we're doing a great job supporting each other. Yeah. So shout out and thank you again to Sean for that time. And uh, we hope that you as listeners really enjoyed that interview. If you do, please look us up. We would love reviews and subscriptions are fantastic. They help the audience grow or at least to get it in front of, of new ears, which is a hard thing to do because of algorithms and the Internet being so busy and all that good stuff. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter and at Gmail, all under the name Itch Rocks. And our website, thefantasticpodpage.com slash rock dash matters. So if you want to find Sean and Gray Days, which I highly recommend checking out the band and what they're up to and him and what he is up to, uh, Sean being the owner of Club Tattoo, the author of the book Tattooed Millionaire, and currently working on a new book with his wife about small businesses that we're excited to get our hands on at some point. You can find him at SeanDowdell.com. You can find the band at Real Gray Days on Facebook, on Twitter, at Sean Dowdell and at The Real Gray Days, and on Instagram, Sean underscore Dowdell and Gray Days Official. That was a mouthful of social media right there. <laughs> it makes me wonder, like, are there any fake Gray Days out there? <laughs> I'm sure there is. There's fake everything. There yeah, is fake everything, which is really messed up. Gotta look for that blue check mark. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they got it. Find that blue check mark. It's there. You'll appreciate it. <laughs> Follow those guys. We barely discussed in the interview that Gray Days is back in the studio working on something. Sean could not divulge what, but I'm sure that if you follow them, you'll find out in due time. Whatever it is, I'm excited. As, as a fan, I'm super excited. So is he. Yeah. So. <laughs> we'll be back with our next episode. In the meantime, we're going to try to make that dream concert that he mentioned happen um, <laughs> using all of our all of our high profile connections that we clearly have. Yeah. So collective monies. <laughs> Itch Fest 2021. It's happening. <laughs> <I'm> down. <laughs> so thank you once again to Sean for having such a great conversation with us. And thank you very much for listening. We appreciate all the support. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And you have been listening to The Itch Rock Matters. And until next time, rock on. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail, all at Itch Rocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S.